Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to episode number 376 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by the uh, hesitant Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? Why Why am I hesitant today? I don't know. Even, even coming into this in our pre-show chat, you were like, is Kevin Gausman, am I going to do this? With I know. I know. He's become the hardest player for me to rank this year. But uh, I will say, I... I Maybe hesitant, but I'm not intimidated today. Oh, good. Why would you be intimidated? over your left shoulder, mm-hmm. there's no Emmy. <laughs> uh, that's why. Yeah. As fast as in a different setting today. And uh, I appreciate it fast. You know, I feel ready to go now. No, I didn't. I didn't bring my Emmy up to Washington. Uh, I would not have done that. That would have, I brought my nice microphone that Nick purchased for me. But I'm in Washington right now where there's current. It snowed last night. No, um, it snowed last night. Um, am I allowed to? Is I that your way of teasing that you're going to talk to JT later? JT, who's JT? JT Snow. Oh, JT Snow. Okay, okay. No, that's not my way of teasing that. Although I am in, I am in. I'm sorry, don't give me that look. I am in, uh, in, in Washington for a cool reason. Some people might have seen this on Twitter. I am up at Driveline Baseball this. Uh, yeah, you this are. Week, which is very exciting. I went there yesterday. I'm going there today doing a very fun study with some pictures up here at driveline and it's a cool place man it's a very cool place <laughs> uh, i can't wait to hear more about it and uh the stuff that you're working on is incredibly exciting um but of course fast will share that with you in due time yes and i, I can't wait for that moment yeah I'm, I'm at least the embargo is lifted i'm allowed to talk about it so if anyone wants to talk about finger <laughs> pressure they can come talk to me about finger pressure uh, as it applies to a baseball. Um, I yeah. Okay. All right. I was um, just, I was just anyway, clearing things up. What are we, what are we talking about today, Fast? It's very fitting that we started with hesitant because, uh, and, and you already going into, well, is Kevin Gaussman here or there? Because that's kind of what we're doing in this podcast. So for the past, you know, umpteen weeks, we have gone through uh, Nick's top 100 list by the tens. And he was still forming it. He was still forming it a little bit as we were talking, which was good. It ended up just being a breakdown of 100 different pitchers. Now, the top 300's out. It'll probably get redone, what, right after, right in the middle of spring training? It gets done, yeah, early March. Early March. uh, I think March 7th is the date I've put down. As I'll be traveling the day before. Gotcha. But this is this is the this is like the first real iteration of the 2023 list, right? Yes. This is the top yes. 300. There will be small tweaks as we get more news about string training. We're going to hear plenty about velocities, and sadly, there might be some injuries. But we're recording on Tuesday morning. Pitchers and catchers, I believe, report tomorrow. Or there some are already starting to Depends show up. Depends on the team. Some already have. We saw Nate Pearson pitching, for example. Mm-hmm. I, but I, yeah, things are going to change in yeah. some way. I mean, we even had Michael Walker get signed with the, the Padres this morning. Oh, I didn't even um, see that. Which, wow. Yeah, there you go. Ken Rosenthal around like 9.45 a.m. So you're only an hour and 15 minutes late fast. Get on top of it. Um, well, but, actually, it's only, it's 9.45 for me in an hour and 45 minutes. So I'm actually, well, I understand, you know, you should have, you should have gotten the alarm at 6.45 yeah, from yeah. the Ken Rosenthal tweet. Uh, how dare you? But it does affect a little bit of Seth Lugo and Nick Martinez, possibly. Uh, there are some interesting things there. So we're already seeing some shifts in that regard of playing time and opportunity. But we'll talk about that one later on. But that's, that's at the back end of the list. That's mm-hmm. not at the top. 
man, Michael Walker with the Padres. I really was hoping the Orioles were going to make a play at him. Anyway, yes, that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's what we're doing. I feel like that's what you said about every free agent. No, that's not true. There are plenty that I was like, all right, that's fine. Uh, but Walker felt like he was affordable. We talked about him in the last cast where it was like, why is he still available? He had a really good changeup. Yeah. Um. Anyway. That's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be going through and kind of talking about some of these shifts. Are so why don't we why don't we why don't we just jump on in? Because um, there were mm-hmm. there were some changes in in the top ten. There were some shifts, um, and I'm just going to read out what the changes in the top ten were, as opposed to going you know and, and doing each one individually. We'll get to some of the individual ones later, but in the top ten, we had Carlos Rodon jump from six up to four. We had Shane McClanahan yeah. go from seven to five. Woodruff moved down a little bit. Verlander dropped, uh, came into the top 10. Um, Wheeler kind of swapped a little bit. He went further back towards eight with DeGrom leapfrogging Scherzer. So here's currently, and then also Luis Castillo falling out of the top 10. So here's the top 10 right now. It's Burns, Cole, Alcantara, Carlos Rodon, Shane McClanahan, Brandon Woodruff, Justin Verlander, Zach Wheeler, Jacob deGrom, and Max Scherzer. So, I mean, there's a few things I want to hit on, but first, just talk to me, I guess, about the overall shifts and why they happened. It came down to just groupings. I like doing groupings inside the list. I think it's most important to say, look, these are generalized, similar pitchers. Um, We get really, really uh, focused on this guy is slightly better than the other, but at the end of the day, like, a 360 array versus a 3-5 is one run or two runs randomly or something. It's just so up in the air a lot. And the generalized skill sets and what they provide, I like to group together. So Burns, Cole, Alcantara, they're your workhorses. Those are the ones that you should anticipate 200 plus innings pitch. They're just sparkling everything. Alcantara, obviously a little bit lower on the strikeouts than you want. Still, he'll get over 200 of them um, given the volume. Uh, and that could even go up. So he's still inside the and tier one for me. Tier two, you have Rodon, McClanahan, Woodruff, Verlander. Again, they are, to me, stalwarts. Uh, I'm not as worried about Shane McClanahan's health, talking to Stephen Lyman. Um, Carlos Rodon did wonderful things. Looks like he's just primed and ready to go with a 30% plus strikeout rate again. Justin Verlander, at the end of the day, I was just, you know what? He's just this good. He has a TGS honeymoon. Obviously, not going to be as good as he was last year, but he's still incredibly good and Despite our worries of a worse slider last year, um, lower swing strike around the fastball, he's still going to be excellent for a, a winning ball club. Then you have tier three, which is the injured tier. I don't know what to do with Zach Wheeler because he has the, the shoulder or, or he had the shoulder problem. And then there was a forearm issue later in the year. Jacob deGrom, haha. And Max Scherzer, who honestly, his fastball is kind of weird as far as how good it is. Um, it's more susceptible in the middle of the plate than I'd like it to be. Um, and of course there's a lot of injury history there too. So I decided to group it in that way. Um, and I felt, uh, felt pretty good about this one. The one that might change before the season starts is Zach Wheeler. If he's just like, yeah, no, there's no forum issue whatsoever in the spring. I might push him as far up as four, but I, is that really, you know, if you, if he looks great in the spring, does that really matter? Are we talking about long season with that injury risk? So I don't know if I'm going to do that, but that's generally how it is right now. Yeah. So the one thing that I was kind of curious about in this was was Carlos Rodon. So Carlos Rodon doesn't have an injury risk tag. Um, I guess he hasn't been as injured in the past couple of years, but he has dealt with fatigue and stuff like that. The thing that scares me about Rodon is so in 2021, he admitted like, he was gassed at the end of the year. He said he had fatigue. You had that very yeah. funny uh, interaction with, I think, his wife on Twitter. Um, then, yeah, funny is a way to put it, yes. Yeah, and 2022 <laughs> also, he, he had a career high in innings, right, at like 166 or something like that. But also, yeah, 178. Velo- what is it, 178? Yes. Yeah, 178, because he just missed 180. Um, but the velo dipped again in the last two seasons, like he was sitting 95 comfortably throughout the year. And then the last two years started trending more towards 94. And then I think ended closer to 94 than he did 95. I, if, it's one thing at 130 innings to get fatigue. I get that. But to then see that happen again over 178 is a little bit concerning. And then also the home run to fly ball rates were not sustainable on any of his pitches. And not only is it going to a worse park for pitchers, 
you're talking about just pure regression regardless of park and then park regression mixed with the fact that like honestly i was kind of surprised you and i were talking about this yesterday his his forcing isn't as dominant as i thought it was like by by stuff plus by plv by pitching plus it's actually an an average pitch by all of those metrics i disagree with that oh, me, 97 percentile is the, uh, PLV the slider the slider four seamer the slider no, four seamer is a 97th percentile plv the slider sorry i misspoke the slider not the uh not oh, the you four slider, not the yeah, four the slider. gotcha yeah, i apologize yeah. yeah the slider is the pitch eh, that is... first percentile plv for us i know but i kind of was um, thinking like it would be dominant and it's not it's not like elite it's not a top five top ten slider sure okay yeah yeah i mean the, the thing is uh it's to me, Rodon is essentially the Strider Javier Green mold um, of the four seamer is everything top of the zone, mm-hmm. elite at that. Yep. Yep. And I, I see him the same way, but just as someone who just did it across 178 innings, I uh, and really did the same ability for two years. I understand that the uh, the slowdown in 2021, as far as the slowdown goes in 2022 for Carlos Rodon. I uh, on September 9th he was pumping 96 killed it then it slowed down to 94 then 94 again and then 94.5 for his last three games and that's ending on uh, 929 and he had 12 whiffs in that last game on his four seamer eight in the penultimate and seven before that so even with the lowered velocity the locations were excellent um and it was still an, a wonderful pitch and I I absolutely grasp like look like you know he's hasn't shown that he can go 200 innings mm-hmm. um necessarily right 178 even in those last three uh so i guess like the final like 20 innings or so rodan was a little bit worse in that time um i i absolutely understand that i would imagine you could make a case of 2021 it was a full month and change right or really like a month then it became like two weeks and then now you know like so instead he builds and builds and builds on it I'm not that concerned about it. Now, I think the interesting conversation that you and I had is, which is, I think, a really good point. Um, his home or fly ball rate on four seamers were about 75th percentile last year, around mm. 10%. And, uh, I, I was, uh, this is a sticky thought I've been saying, um, uh, where these guys that I really like because it's four seamer focused up and then a really good breaking ball doesn't have to be an elite one. Rodon doesn't have that, but it's, it's still above average, I would say. Um, the deadened ball existed last year. Mm-hmm. And then you have possibly a less deadened ball in 2023. Mm-hmm. Is that going to impact these high four-seamer guys? Because the ones that would be flyouts might turn into some more home runs. And I might not be waiting that in enough. It's very much a possibility that all of those guys become your classic Matthew Boyd of mm. a four plus ERA and a one ten whip or something like that, like John Means did in twenty twenty one, right? I mm. uh, of yeah, they're low whip, but they allow these home runs. Like oh, they're a home run problem. But then again, fast. What is the least sticky thing year to year? Yeah, home run to fly ball. Right, and even as a White Sox in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, it was still a ten percent home run fly ball rate. Uh, for Carlos Rodon, um, with the White Sox, which I would say, what is that kind of neutral for yeah, for home remember, runs? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's much uh, much so that we don't think about it. So I'm sure. going to say that uh, it was a sub one homer per nine. It was point nine mm-hmm. for Carlos Rodon in 2021. I don't really think that he is uh, going to be that bad in Yankee Stadium. And keep in mind, it's just it's 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 the extremes of Yankee Stadium too. It's it, you know it's just far left field and far right field. But once you get closer to the center, it gets better for pitchers. Uh, so it's not this like, flat out just like, I mean, yeah, it's generally worse, but it's not this, oh no, the worst park ever. I mean, that would be like what the Blue Jays are doing now, yeah. uh, which might be part of it because they have to go there maybe a couple of times, but I'm I wanna, not too concerned about it. I want to put, uh, I'll put in this additional caveat too. When we're talking about like home run to fly ball regression too, I think sometimes it is interpreted as an extreme is going to happen, right? We're not implying or I'm not implying that a home run to fly ball regression is going to lead to a mid three ERA. It's not. But 
when we're talking about home run to fly ball regression, it, it, the context is really important. We're talking about three or four more earned runs, five or six more earned runs over the course of a season, which would mean a low three ERA. You know what I mean? I think it's always yeah. important to establish those caveats because I think sometimes in the industry we talk about it and maybe it's just me where I'm like, oh, God, everything's going to take a, a step back. And yes, it will take a step back, but not a significant step back. Um to play devil's advocate to myself, if he has been a poor performer at the end of the seasons, which he hasn't, my point was more that um, I'm alarmed at the trends of down se- of uh, end of season velocity dips because you're right. He was dominant with the end of season stuff, even where it was at. To me, it's more indicative of he can't last a full year. But sure. If we're not really worried in fantasy about the full year, right? You're worried about like really the beginning, middle, and beginnings of the end of the season because by then you're in your playoffs and anything could really happen there. Um, I yeah. might end up having Rodon a little bit lower, but I completely understand your logic. Um, the one thing that I do want to hit on in the top 10 changes too, Castillo fell out of the top 10. Um, that was just because I imagine Verlander. Verlander had to come in. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, that's all it is there. Let's go ahead and look towards the next kind of tier of guys where there was a good grouping, a good smattering of movement here. So we had uh, Max Freed. He jumped up. So he's up at number 17 now. Gallon in the top 20 now. Urias falls back uh, towards 20 exactly with Manoa going up to 18. So I imagine there's a, you know, there's a little bit of a grouping here. It's a, it's a big tier, tier four. But talk to me about that kind of, you know, 17 through 20 mix up that happened. Actually, 17 through 21 is Kevin Gaussman now at 21, but he could be on the move too. So go ahead. Tell us us all this this. stuff that's going on. All right. Um, So I still have the grouping of Otani, Strider, Javier, and Cease. I think that's an important one to have because those are your electric strikeout guys. Um, where Cease, Javier, and Strider, I think, are very similar. They all have some walk issue. It's actually really funny. Uh, we've been running our PLV simulator um, for our projections, right? And we've been improving it steadily. I'm excited for you guys to get your hands on it next week um, with PL Pro. And it, it's what's so interesting about it for me is that these guys like Dylan Cease and Hunter Green and Javier and so... We anticipate lower walk rates than the normal regression would because their stuff is that good mm. um, that it should be better. But what happens is Dylan sees like loses guys and like the whole thing of like the moment of losing a batter, you know, that you allow you to have two or three walks a game. That's all it really is, by the way. Having like a nine percent, uh, a nine percent walk rate is like two walks, three walks a game, you know, or something it's like, oh man, all right, fine. Um, but, I uh, it's, it's interesting to me. So like ours, I think has cease around like a 7% walk rate mm. and man, if cease is a 7% walk rate, uh, sorry, I I'm now completely rambling. Um, but I have to keep those guys together. I feel like they're all pretty much the same idea. Sure. And I'm going to do that. Otani is in there too. I, uh, you're not going to get as many innings, but it's the same idea of them. It's like, they're not getting 200 innings from these guys and they're going to be explosive. I need to have Castillo and Nola. I feel like those are 200 inning stalwarts. Um, and I felt they were the last ones I could really depend on there. Castillo hasn't necessarily done it, but I feel like he can this year with Seattle. Uh, and I loved him so much to put him in the top 10. I think he's just so good mm. that I had to put him there. I'm so tempted back and forth. I've been doing this. Do I put Kevin Gosman all the way up there or do I leave him back here? Where do I put him? Yeah. This is the back and forth. I need to do this with you one more time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like four podcasts in a row. Talking no, no, about no. Gosman, I think like, people like hearing the inside at least. And I is, actually it, like so the fact, interesting. I like the fact that you, I, I personally like the fact that we get to see the back and forth. So we know that this is malleable. But anyway, go on. Right. It's Oh, boy. Guys, I do not care <laughs> about like what I said a month ago. <laughs> Like at all. It's more about like, okay, this is my thought process now. Like, what should I be thinking? I want to make sure I have it right. So, so Kevin Gosman, I, this is why PLV is really cool. It, it really introduces new narratives and new discussions and way to think, ways to think about this. And as I joked a lot in the last podcast about things I discovered about Kevin Gosman. So with PLV and Kevin Gosman, uh, the one that I've really loved is hit luck. I think hit luck yeah. is so good. It's like we predict if there's going to be a hit or not. And it's just a really, obviously it's not perfect, 
Um, but it is just a generalized, like you see the guys at the extremes. Like mm-hmm. if a guy has like a 60th percentile hit luck, like whatever, who cares? But if they have a 1% or a 100%, then you got to take notice of like, yes, regression is very likely coming. And on Gosman's four-seamer, he allowed 16 more hits than he should have. Guess what? That's the first percentile. Mm-hmm. With his splitter, he, had, he allowed 10 more hits than he should have. Guess what? That's the zero percentile of all splitters. Uh, and then on the slider, even, he had plus eight hits on it. That was the sixth percentile. Like, he allowed so many extra hits, plus 37 hits. He allowed 37 more hits than he should have. That was the first percentile last year for Kevin Gosman. And just to put that in context here, Gosman allowed 188 hits last year. So that brings him down to like 150 mm-hmm. or so that we would expect would be neutral. Yeah. Right? And that was the third percentile of all players, of all starting pitchers. Uh, of how many hits you allowed. By the way, I love this. Percentiles for how many hits you allowed. Like what? Okay. I know. <laughs> We've got that. Cool. So I, so Kevin Gosman, obviously, even despite all the things I've talked about where yes, he allowed a ton of hard contact with his four seamer and on both lefties and righties. And that should, maybe that sticks around to some way that the bat is elevated, but not this much. You know, and that that's a really important thing to say. It's not going to go down to 260 or something, but it's going to re- go down. And maybe I was too hard in it. But then, <laughs> Roger Center. Yeah. yeah and yeah, Roger yeah, Center, yeah. every report I've seen, everything is like, it's going to get bad. This is this is a really, really bad place to pitch. Um, and so much so. And oh, that that drives me nuts. Um, and by the way, also PLV says quality minus bad pitch percentage for Gosman's four seamer is 97th percentile. That's so good. Yeah, that is insane. A 31 percent is like that. That that's so so good. Um, so yeah. It, by the way, the average is like, sorry, that's bad pitch percentage. I'm, I mean, I I I I am messing everything up. Bad pitch percentage was very low. Normally, you see like 40 percent of your fastballs are bad. His is only 31 percent. There you go. Anyway, anyway, I don't know what to do with that one. His uh, home run per nine last year was 0.77. That's 84th percentile for Gosman. That's going to go up. That is going to go up. And generally, when you see a big difference like this of ERA and whip of 335 ERA, generally speaks to like a 110 whip, but it's 124. Yes, obviously, the singles were happening 9.7 per nine for Gosman, but then home runs didn't happen, right? And that should go up. So I don't know how to feel. It's going to be like a higher ERA, but a better whip. And I'm putting him likely ahead of Manoa. So like at 18 is what I've done in my head. Because Manoa is going to get worse. Manoa is on the other side of this. His hit luck is like 95th percentile. And it's like, well, that's going to... Things yeah, are gonna get worse from Manoa too. So there's a, there's so sorry much, for the rant, guys. No, 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 no. There's so much good stuff to hit up on there. So I'm gonna try and keep up with some of the great points that you made and the things that I was thinking while you made them. One, first thing that kind of comes to mind is okay. Well, is it is it defense dependent? Was was he was he really uh, hurt by a really poor defense last year? And he wasn't. The Blue Jays are actually an above average defense overall, both in terms of infield and outfield. So I don't necessarily think it had anything to do with the defense. The other thing was like park factors are another thing, too, that even if we read, well, I don't know, there's there's drastic park factors. They're not drastic park factors. Sometimes we see things about fences moving in and out, and sometimes it could be a little bit more overblown. But then sometimes fences move out like they do in Baltimore. And I mean, there's no argument. It drastically turned into a different park. Theoretically, right. that could happen for for uh, for Kevin Gaussman. So I think if we're going to talk about park factors, then you have to talk about context of the pitcher, right? Because if you're talking about park factors and you're talking about park factors with Framber Valdez, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter where you hit a ground ball. It's still a ground ball. However, sure. Kevin Gaussman is a line drive pitcher right he, he is not yeah, he's a he's a league average ground ball guy he's league average ground ball and he's actually i think kind of a league average when it comes to fly ball i think he's actually a little under um uh yeah he is he's below league average in fly ball too he allows a lot of line drives right a lot and it doesn't matter which metric you're looking at because line drive ground ball and line drive and fly ball rate are all going to be a little bit different because there's different bands by which people identify what a line drive is yeah. it makes sense but regardless of where you look he allows line drives considering that's already a doubles park 
um, and it's going to get worse uh, for pitchers. That is a really good point. So the positive is, hey, he are, he did have good defense. So the defense could help that hit luck prove that it is just a pure regression thing, and it's going to be better. Going to get a bit better, but it's hard to put any defense behind a hard hit line drive that's going to go into a double, especially when you increase it. So the, the I can see why you're struggling. Those two things are at odds with one another. Yeah, it just kind of means I probably won't have him. <laughs> yeah. It's just like one of those, like, all right, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because this is actually the realm of where I go after, guys. This is why tier four is so large. It goes from 11 to 25. Why? Because I want to get at least two of these pitchers. If not, I feel so lucky if I can make you Darvish my number three. Oh my right? God. If you if Darvish goes to like the eighth, ninth round or something like that. That means I've gotten, uh, I don't know, Castillo. And then I paired him up with Christian Javier. And I'm like, okay, things are looking good. Let's just see which one is left yeah. later on if I'm crossing my fingers. And sometimes that has been you, Darvish. Uh, sometimes Joe Musgrove has lasted, right? Um, so it usually isn't Kevin Gosman. There's always somebody that says, like, he's he's my guy in the top 15. And that's fine. If you like Kevin Gosman, go and get him. The reason they're all in this tier is because it could all be just studs. Like, I don't, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you who is going to be that. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to look through the tea leaves as best I can, but at the end of the day, they're all really talented. They can all have these fantastic seasons. And yeah, so I struggle with Kevin Gosman though. He just, yeah, I don't know. So don't he'll probably that. be at 18 above Alec Manoa, even though Alec Manoa could improve. He should regress more than I'm giving him credit. So, all right, well, uh, yeah. we're going to take a quick break. And when we do, uh, after we uh, have that, we'll come back and keep, keep sorting through more tea leaves. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. We're back. The tea leaves have been sorted. And now Nick, <laughs> who has peered into the future, is going to tell us what led to Tyler Glasnow jumping up from 26 to 22, a little bit closer to the back end of the 20s, now, or the uh, back end of the teens, front end of the 20s. Why the jump? Well, in honor of Ted Lasso being the third season announcement today, by the way, March 15th, cannot wait. Um, Tea is terrible. I don't understand why anyone drinks it. So I looked at the tea leaves and it just like said, you deal with this. Ridiculous. Um, but I, <laughs> I hate tea so much. That's, how I, do you hate tea? It's worse water. Just drink water. It's drink there water. Are a it's worse water. different flavors of tea. I have yet to find a tea that's like, oh, I enjoy this. Oh my God. I mean, I hope when to. did you buy a 40 foot American flag and put it in the murder room? <laughs> OK, stop this right now. I has nothing to do with that. It, it, like with where I'm from. It's like I've tried this. I want to enjoy tea. I actually had a moment of not drinking coffee for a little bit, but I need a little bit of caffeine. I so I tried that. all these teas and I was like, I hate all of this. Oh, my God. I know. I know. What and I have like roommates that have like. What? Sweet no, tea. No, no sugar. I don't want sugar. No sugar. Oh, so you're doing just... Okay. You just want a free base No sugar. Okay. No, I don't want... It, it, that's just sugar. I'm just drinking sugar then. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Oh, uh, You want the tea or do you want the sugar? <laughs> I, I could do all kinds of tea. Dark tea. I mean, sweet tea is great because it's sugar. Sorry. Hi, Tyler Glaslin. What's up, buddy? You've been waiting <laughs> in the green room for a while. Um, so Tyler Glasnow, I talked to... Uh, I talked to Eno. Um, I talked to Stephen Lyman about this. And I remember at the end of last year being like really in on Tyler Glasnow because I saw him. I was like, yeah, this is Tyler Glasnow. I'm mm-hmm. like, what do you expect? This is Tyler Glasnow. Um, and we're all, we, we should be really excited about this because it's Tyler Glasnow again. And then I got really worried because I thought, wait a second, his injury history, even without the Tommy John was really bad. And, 
you know, we really know all this and he's chaotic when it comes to his stuff. And he's had these seasons of like bad ERA and bad whips and whatever. And then I talked to, you know, and he was like, well, don't forget there's the Tommy John honeymoon. I was like, oh, that's a very smart thing. Of course, that's about 300 to 400 innings or so where guys don't have it. It makes all the sense. It's repaired. It's mm-hmm. good. And then it, you know, it doesn't have the same durability as a normal tendon. Shocking. And then Steven Lyman's like, yeah, that sounds, if he's healthy, if the procedure is good, he should be like, great. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'll go after this. Um, so I brought him up in that tier four. I get it. His strikeout rates are 30, 35%. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't, uh, the new slider is legitimate. Um, it's just a matter of how much we're going to see from him. I imagine the Rays will put him around five plus innings per start. Uh, don't expect six, seven for a little bit. Uh, so 150 plus innings and with amazing ratios and strikeouts. I'm like, yeah, all right. I mean, I understand it could be lower than that. That's why he's only at 22 instead of higher. But yeah, I'd rather go with that than Shane Bieber, who went underneath the 25% strikeout. He needed to do a K per inning hmm. to have pretty much 198 strikeouts in 200 innings. Uh, and I, I still am worried that it might get worse for him. Darvish is a volatile one. Uh, I want us to be all in kinds of excited about Darvish, but we all know that he just like, sometimes the cutter just gets destroyed in a year and that's that. And then, uh, and then the Musk Musgrove, it's like, he hasn't quite figured out how to use his fastballs yet. So Glasnow just felt like a more dominant one. I'll put him at 22. Hearing you say 150 innings from Glasnow threw up a flare for me because literally in the past three years combined, he has thrown 151 I understand that, but that's also like, okay, 21 and 22 is like Tommy John. So you can't really say that. 2020 is 2020. Yep. But still, so last let's go to 2019 or 2018. 2019, or he had, yeah, yeah, right. He has an injury history before that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can see 150. If I thought it was for a fact 150, he'd be in that like Strider Javier okay. grouping. Okay. Right. But like, it's a possible, it's a very clear possibility that like, yeah, he's healed from the elbow. Good to go, you know? So. We can only hope. What about Luis Severino? He dropped a little bit from 27 down to 32. It seems like a little. Yeah, he has. A, so so I originally had Glasnow inside of that injury tier, right? Kershaw, Severino, Lynn, Snell. But I recognize that Glasnow's better than them. Mm. And Kershaw, I think, has, believe it or not, a larger injury question than Glasnow. Severino came back from Tommy John and then had another injury. Uh, and I can't really say that uh, that he's okay and all good to go for this year. Lance Lynn had the knee surgery, came back, shook, shook off rust, and now should be good. But we don't know. He's getting older, and we'll see. And Blake Snell always has something. He was delayed the start of last year, and then was okay. But he always has some injury. Um, so I grouped them all together. And uh, that's what Tier 6 is all about. So... I hope they're okay. I might have to put Nestor Cortez in there now because he just came out that he had a hamstring uh, problem that pulled him from the WBC. Uh, and I don't know if we can expect him just to be every five days at this point for the mm-hmm. Yankees. That's I'm surprised they didn't actually go off and get Waka um, after that news. But nope, that might have accelerated the talks. Um, maybe if the Yankees were getting involved and the Padres got in and that like solidified it. Mm. I wonder, and we'll find out more about Cortez um, come March to see if he's okay to go. Yeah, I wonder too if there's just a few, like if there if there's any nagging thing whatsoever, because guys are going to be going 100 percent of the WBC. Like there there is like there's not a chance they're not. I understand that people say that like they're going to use it as their spring training, get warmed up. When you're in a game environment like that, and there's thirty thousand people cheering you on, and you're playing for your country, you're going 100 percent. Like yeah. y- you just are. Um, I had an interesting conversation yesterday not to rant too much but about like what what it was like actually pitching like the 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 gentleman that i was working with for the driveline study as he was throwing 20 30 pitches for me was noticeably hyped right and like noticeably amped and stuff which led to a conversation about like heart rate and what it's like during a game and they're telling me god you you'll burn four thousand calories in a game like there are pitches who will burn yeah. because your BPM, your heart rate is up the entire. I mean, like, yeah, it comes down a little bit in between innings. But like when you get out there, 
it was at like at 165. Like it was like, like it is nuts. So the only reason I bring that up isn't to be like, oh, I'm a driveline. It's to be like, there are dudes when, when, when Lance Land or Adam Wainwright goes out there and he's playing for his country, it's not like a spring training game where he's like, all right, let me just mess with my four seamer a little bit. Let me see how my curves feeling. They're going to get dudes out. So I don't know. Yeah. That's a little concerning. Yeah. For me. Well, do we have data on the last WBC? WBC? W? We got data on the WBC. <laughs> do we have data on the last one about injury track record of those that participated? God, it's difficult to, enough to find an injury that happened in the past three months, yeah. let alone that. But <laughs> I, that, that. I have not looked into that. And obviously what I'm saying is pure conjecture, but that would be really interesting to see if there was any correlation. Was like volume, I want to see if there was anything like in August or September for pitchers who pitched too early, right? Yeah. Um, like saving their bullets, that kind of thing. The last WBC was like, I think 2017, right? Because. Yeah, that sounds right. It was supposed to happen um, 2020. And then, of course, it didn't. Yeah. We just skipped that one. Oh, my God. The pitchers for the 20. Oh, my. Wow. What? Stroman was in that. Oh, it was the Olympic roster, the WBC, huh? Uh, Adam Jones had that amazing catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I remember that. I I accidentally clicked on the wrong link. The Daniel Murphy fixes swing. Uh, well, there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah for hitters, I'm not as concerned. I was just looking. I accidentally clicked on the 2020 Olympic roster, and it's weird because it's Shane Baz and Anthony Goza and Edwin Jackson, Scott Casimir. Well, huh. Nick well generally it is. It is. It is mostly minor leaguers, if I remember correctly, for for twenty twenty three. No, I mean, it's, remember like Ben Sheets. Ben Sheets won stuff. You mean for now uh, or for this? Uh, the one of the past. Back then, oh, back for then. like the Olympics. Because now, I mean, uh, to be honest, though, a lot of these looking at these pitchers now that you would need to theoretically keep an eye on, it's older dudes or dudes who are already going to throw two hundred innings. It's Kershaw, it's Kelly, Merrill Kelly, Lance Lynn, Miles Michaelis. Um, Brady Singer is an interesting one. I don't know how thrilled I would be to have like Brady Singer thrown at the WBC at a hundred miles. Wait, you mean thrilled in what? In like as an American rooting for your team? Or no, 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 not that. That that I'm like all about it. Let's go get it. As as okay. someone who is potentially interested in rostering uh, Brady mm. Singer, I don't um, think of Brady Singer though. Brady Singer is like built to be a. Like he's just a t- he's just get my sinker in there and then slider. I don't know. He feels so much like a workhorse kind of pitcher. Okay, you know, like yeah, it, there isn't too much extra going on. Huh. Um. All right. Well, we spent too much time on that. Sorry. Yeah, Some we did. Little fun tangents there. <laughs> uh, that's all right. The the other person uh, that I wanted to we talked about Lance Lynn a little bit and why he kind of dropped down because he's kind of in that tier. The person who had the most noticeable fall though, um, he fell thirteen spots. Uh, was Freddie Peralta who dropped from thirty to forty three. So that's more than just like a, a tier shift, I imagine. Was yeah, that was Stephen Lyman talking about the shoulder stuff, and he's saying, dude, shoulder injuries in season like that, like you just get out. You don't, you don't chance this. And I, so that's the tier. Tier A is kind of the moment of, all right, there aren't any more guys that I feel comfortable starting the entire year. Like I will not drop anyone inside of the top 41 in all likelihood. There's sure there might be reasons like what Chris Bassett just isn't holding up in Toronto. It just isn't, isn't working out. Right. Or uh, Nicola Dolo. Yeah, you just let too many home runs. It's just too much of an issue, whatever it is. Right. It's very unlikely that I'm dropping anyone in the top 41. Then he gets to the top 42 or sorry, 42 and above. And TRA is filled with guys I, I won't be dropping in all likelihood, but they have some major things going on. So you have Luzardo, Peralta, Sale, for example, or maybe the three injured ones. I don't expect to drop them, but I might have to if they're injured. Right. And I Peralta's in there because it's just yeah that shoulder. Um, and I I feel like I can't leave money at the table, uh, getting a tier seven or earlier guy, and and then chase Peralta. Mm. Those other guys are too valuable in my view. So that's why he's all the way down here. I recognize so much his quality per inning when he does start with regularity is really good. It is it is like top fifteen ability. Um, and that's why he's as high as he is, but I'm just, I'm terrified at this point of it. And yeah, I feel like I just can't risk it. So he's down here. 
Okay, that makes sense. I did some quick looks, by the way. 2017, you're right. It was Marcus Stroman. Chris Archer was there. Tanner Roark. Um, there. Oh yeah. Twenty. 27- I, I remember Tanner Roark on that team. Now, oh my gosh, that two seamer. <laughs> And it looks like it's case by case. Marcus Stroman had a great year in 2017. Both Stroman and Archer threw 200 innings that year, about 201. Uh, oh, wow. Archer fully fell apart in the last month of the season. 21 innings is like a seven plus ERA. Um, huh. But Stroman, it didn't. So either it's case by case or it means absolutely nothing. Um, I'm sure there's more data to look at, too. But we're not doing that right now. We're getting back to this. Um Let's do one more person before we take our second break here. The other person that fell, uh, which was a little bit surprising. I thought this might have been your guy coming into the year. was Jesus Lizardo going from 36 to 42. I couldn't ignore the injury history. Okay. Uh, and he's had it in multiple years now. And it's just, uh, I wish I could because I really like him. But I found myself saying, look, I... Pablo Lopez just threw 180 innings. Yeah, Joe Ryan. It feels like he's ready to to break out in my view. Uh, He's my boy. Gilbert and Robbie Ray and uh, Chris Bassett are all like, "Yep, these are wait, he's your boy, Joe Ryan." What? (laughs) I I think I I I obviously he was (laughs) not last year. (laughs) I I think he's the guy that I'm. I think he's the guy that I'm going to get in on. I mean, obviously last year I was not into it, and then I don't know that sweeper change. That's interesting. The sweepers got yeah. interested in him. Yeah, I know. And the, and the fastball is good. Um, I don't think actually by a PLV, we adore it. Um, I, I remember having a fun conversation about Joe Ryan with Eno at uh, Arizona. Um, just about like, what is it about Joe Ryan? But that's Ryan? the whole thing. Like, I don't think we, any, like, I think it's it's deceptive and he hides it. And it's like a bunch of things that don't necessarily show up. So this is wild. Oh, man. Good old PLV. Okay, so I'm just going to do this really quickly. Guys, I'm telling you right now, the more that you go into it, you're like, hey, I don't know how to translate PLV stats yet. The percentiles are everything that you need. Yeah. Okay, that will tell you right now, like quickly, like, is this good or bad? If you don't know what a stat is, just hover over the uh, the stat. It tells you the tooltip, okay? I even have an image for YM lock and XM lock because I know how confusing it is. Plus up. And I, I, I will go to my grave insisting that it is opposite, but that's fine. It's X axis middle. Y axis middle. I know, but still, you change them. X axis is horizontal. So make the X axis one the horizontal. No, no, no. no. You got it. I, I went back and forth. It's already like changed like twice. The X axis, you make the, you make the, it's a graph. The strike know, zone is a graph. I understand that. X but, movement. X movement is what fast? Is it horizontal. horizontal movement or vertical movement? Horizontal. Right. So you move X-wise. So that's the X-axis. We're just finding it as the horizontal axis in the but middle the of that is, axis. The bar is vertical. The red the bar, bar. Because because it's aligned with the X-axis in the middle. What? Then that's perpendicular to the X-axis. Right. But why? Then why would you call it it's X-axis? It's the middle of it. Oh, no. no, no it's no, the no. middle of the X-axis. But you understand my logic of calling something the X and then showing the Y? I, well, yeah, but that's because you're not grasping what I'm trying yeah, to describe. Yeah, because I'm being told it's the x-axis, and then you're, you're like, not, not it's really. It's the middle of the x-axis. Then that's the y-axis, because it's vertical. No, it is a vertical thing describing the middle of the x-axis. It's a vertical thing describing the horizontal thing. Oh, my gosh, fast. <laughs> I'm surprised that you can't understand this concept. No, I'm surprised but you right. can't understand how the x and the y are being swapped here. No, they're not. Oh they're not. It, you, you have to. Both of them are going to be perpendicular to in some way because you're describing a. Oh, my gosh. All right. It's fine. It's fine. Fast. Um. Anyway. <laughs> hi, guys. We're back here talking about Joe Ryan and his PLV as fast as just blatantly wrong for the last no, like, minute and a half. Absolutely not. Um, absolutely and then not. we have. So so PLV with Joe Ryan's four seamer. It's um a little bit above average, like near 70th percentile on PLV. Which is a little shocking, honestly. I thought it would be a little bit better considering he does he doesn't elevate as much. I think there are more um a little bit more mistake pitches in the middle. But then again, his bad pitch percentage is 35%, which is 80th percentile, which is good. Um, but the two stats I'm going to focus on here, what do you know? It's hit luck. He allowed 34 fewer hits than he should have, apparently, on his four seamer last year. So 99th percentile. Okay. But this is the interesting one. We have this really, really fun stat that we haven't talked about enough yet. Um, it's called hitter performance. And it's essentially saying, how did these players perform based on the PLV that they saw? It's our way of saying, like, look, like the, the true luck in baseball is what you, what the opponent does, right? That's why I call it hit luck. 
I uh, like I give you a meatball. I get lucky when you pop it out. Right. Dan Heron would say like, you know, guys pop out in BP all the time. Right. So I'll throw a three Oh meatball down the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's hilarious. So hitter performance is a really good way of like assessing based on this PLV. Like, how are they doing? And despite having a four nine PLV, which we're saying is like slightly above average, it's the 100th percentile hitter performance. Mm-hmm. So clearly to me, there's something that we're not assessing about Joe Ryan's fastball. That is, mm, that I think is so interesting. And it's why I love this suite of stats that we have. I, uh, because clearly he's getting guys and you're saying it's deception. Yeah. Uh, it might be, uh, it might be something like that. It might be like, yeah, just how he's delivering the ball and all. I don't know. But I gotta, I have to be favoring that fastball a little bit more. So I love it, for Joe Ryan. I, I'm here for it. Um, his slider hit a performance that was 10th percentile. So <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. That's why I think the sweep, if it's really, if he's throwing a sweeper, you're telling mm. me if he throws a sweeper that gets more swing and miss, it's a totally revamped pitch. And he yeah, already right. has an elite four seamer. That's why I'm very interested yeah. in him this year. Anyway, yeah, I we have completely. so many more pitchers to discuss, and we're going to get yes. to them as soon as we come back from this break. And we're back. All right. There's plenty of other guys to get to because we've got a lot of people here. But there are some people that we just talked about that, like, I imagine Robbie Ray rose a little bit and Logan Gilbert rose a little bit because of some of the falls that we saw from Freddie Peralta and Jesus Lazardo. Logan Gilbert's kind of one of the right, biggest exactly. risers, though, as he rises. What is that? It's almost seven spots about six spots. No, seven spots about um, what is it that had you rising Logan Gilbert so much? I kept going back and forth about Logan Gilbert. Um, you know, a good talk I had with, with Eno, I, on, uh, on the pitch presentation with Joe's BCP, talking about how he believes more in Logan Gilbert to, uh, to adapt and change with what foundation he has. He likes actually his four seamer more than Kirby's. I disagree, but I love the fact that Eno likes Gilbert's four seamer. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ignore that. Um, so I felt, okay, I, maybe I am ruling out a little too much of, I saw Logan Gilbert perform in 2021 and was really hoping for a development of some kind in 2022. Didn't quite get it. And maybe I'm not giving enough benefit of the doubt that, yeah, prospect growth isn't linear. Uh, but the thing is, he tried to do more stuff with his secondary offerings and he didn't do it. <laughs> and, he, and he failed. And it makes me less confident that he is going to develop in, in third year. But maybe he does. He very much could. And I wasn't quite uh, favoring that enough. So. Um, all this discussion, by the way, about Joe Ryan and Chris Bassett makes me just want to put Joe Ryan above Chris Bassett, by the way. Um, just so we're clear. Oh my God, I mean, also Bassett's got the Roger center, the Roger centers just yeah. in my head now. Yeah. Um, but I, but yeah, so Gilbert, um, Gilbert, good situation. All of that. Pretty safe guy. I was like, all right, I'll put him up a little bit. So we talked a little bit about uh, Pablo Lopez, I imagine, rises because as you hinted before the break, the innings are there. Um, you know, I'll be curious to see what he does with his with his cutter this year, because, you know, we kind of already talked in, in our breakdown of him, how we feel about his his four seamers. But the uh, or his heaters overall, excuse me, I should say the, Tony Gonsolin, though, I, I thought maybe you he was already kind of low. You said, forget that we're going a little bit lower he went from 48 to 55 was that a tier change or was that like just dudes jumping ahead of him or the more you looked the more you were like mm, still really not sold on tony gonsolin you know what's really funny is a friday night i was hanging with my friends and i remember like meeting someone who was a dodgers fan and i remember saying like what do you feel about the dodgers fan and saying uh yeah. So what do you feel about the Dodgers next year and stuff? And it was just very much like, oh, you know, like, you know, I really like Tony Gonsolin and stuff. I was like, but did you know that his hit luck was negative 58? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which means he allowed 58 more hits or fewer hits than he should have. 100th percentile, which is that's insane. Tony Gonsolin total allowed 79 hits last year. Wow. He should have allowed, according to PLV, uh, about what is that? 125 hits. Like what? What? The number one benefactor of the shift last year. The Dodgers defense is getting worse. No Trey Turner. You got Vargas at second, Muncie at third, Lux at short now. I think this is going to be kind of scary. Uh, and Gonsolin, again, we talked about it before, very hyper-reliant on that splitter gang in your 70% strike rate last year. Um, I think that should get worse. The slider is still kind of an issue for him. The fastball is not a good pitch. 
So yeah, I'm not interested in, um, in Gonsolin. Good, good first start though. I'll take the first one. <laughs> uh, that's fine. Like I would be okay having Gonsolin on my team, but 13th percentile PLV on his four seamer at four, five, six, which is, oh boy, that, that's not what you want to see. Um, and yeah, I just, I just feel like Tony Gonsolin's a trap. So I'm not doing it. Talk about a guy that PLV hates. If we're talking about a cumulative oh, PLV or uh, you're looking at his player page and not like the average pitch level value, <laughs> 195th percentile. He doesn't have a single pitch above average, according to PLV, which is kind of kind of interesting to see. Um, the other uh, big faller that we saw here, I imagine it's due to injury concerns, is Lance McCullers as he fell from close to 50 to 60. Uh, is it just injury or was there something else that you were seeing, a side injury that had you concerned about Lance McCullers? Uh, it's really injury. We don't know what to expect from him, but also walk rates have always been an issue for him. Whip has always been an issue for him too. Mm-hmm. And so even when McCullers pitches, I used to call him a hipster, heading inducing pitchers stuff the entire roster. And I think he's going to be one this year too. Um, now I, I like to talk about this a lot. Whenever we think about injury history, they don't always tell you when it's going to happen. <laughs> so it's, you know, if we say that like guys are going to not start every so often, uh, to like slow down their innings. Well, they only expect 140 innings or so from him this year, right? Is that just because of injury or is it because of the team's going to like not start him and stuff? I think with the colors, the Astros are just going to start him all the way through. Yeah. But the injury part is like, right, wait, that's going to be so frustrating to roster. Um, it's not just like he's done for the year or something. So the, all that combined and then the ramp ups that happen, what's the most annoying part about these guys that get injured in season is that it's not just the injury time. It's then you get like two, three starts until they actually become serviceable again. Often, sure, yes, they have rehab starts, but then they come back. It's like four innings for the first time. It's like okay, all right, gotta wait to the next one. He's at seventy pitches now. You know, it, it's really annoying. So that's just so headache inducing. The walk rates are still bad. It's not like it's just the greatest quality evening when he does pitch. Even though we love his his slider, his slider is like one of the best profile pitches for us. Um, I think there's a little bit too much of annoyance here for Lance McCullers, so I have him down to 60. One of the largest risers uh, really throughout uh, the list, which was uh, kind of interesting to see, there were a few fallers, and then a lot of people just jumped up three or four spots, maybe five spots. One of the biggest ones who jumps nine uh, was Grayson Rodriguez from 54 to 45. He's in the top 50 now, close to the top 40 um was it guys falling for him because obviously we don't have any new information we don't know if he's well, starting we, the we year. did it was the the fact that the gm of your boy mm-hmm. <laughs> uh said that he expects him to be in the rotation to start the year okay so it was that. Uh, and that's a huge deal and i mean i think you're gonna see grayson rodriguez this is right at the point of hey i'm not going to turn down good value right he's right underneath chris sale and freddie peralta so yeah, let's, let's go, Grayson Rodriguez. Everything I've heard is just, you know, yeah. the greatest four pitch mix or whatever that you've seen. I'm I'm very much interested in that, especially in that ballpark. So sign me up. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like I, it's so weird. You, to look you, at you how... don't allow yourself to think you have an ace. I know. Well, I but I I I, I even <laughs> I just don't. It's so funny to me that like yes, there was an injury, but virtually every website that ranks prospects has him lower than they had him, which I think is very interesting, uh, like the year before. And some of it is they state like, yeah, there was an injury. So that's kind of interesting. Some of it is like, yeah, we have him lower, but he's still one of the best pitching prospects out there. Um, And then some of them are like, yeah, maybe the stuff isn't as good. Like one of them was like, actually, no, he's not an SB1. He's he's like a really, really good SB2. But no, I don't think he's an ace. Um, I think he's like going to be a very good SP two. Um, so I don't know, but but then again, how do we know? There wasn't like he was he dominated a lot last year. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I actually didn't even see that he was gonna uh, that comment from Mike uh, uh, Elias. When did that come out? I oh, about like a month ago at this point. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought he was still. I thought they were still kind of wishy washy about like, yeah, probably. No, but we'll see. No, they're pretty aggressive on like, yeah, Grayson Rodriguez is going to be on a rotation. That's good. Love to hear that. Um, okay, the the last kind of couple that we have to get to are all 
<laughs> they're guys that we kind of discussed multiple times. What? Never. Uh, but like, because they just kind of kept falling and then they actually kept falling more. But we never actually dug into why they're falling or where they legitimately ended up landing. So there's there's four of them. Two of them are on the same team. Um, so there's Mike Soroka, who fell from 58 to 89. Alex Cobb, who fell from 63 to 82. Edward Cabrera, who fell from 67 to 81. And Trevor Rogers from 69 to 80. So Soroka, I probably understand it's injury. Theoretically, there's a chance he starts the year in the minors to get a few starts and then comes up. Um, am I off there? And then talk to me through talk me through Cobb, Cabrera, and Rogers. So uh, funny stuff. Uh, oh, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. Matt Cunz, uh on our PL Discord said, hey, listen to the OTC 61 through 70. I just want to say, you know, like great analysis on Alex Cobb. And I remember saying like, oh, just wait for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here we go. Alex Cobb again. Yeah, we uh, I'm not in on Alex Cobb. I also a lot of those guys that you just talked about following are are guys who were in that not a good schedule to start the year category um, and where they're not so good that I feel like I need to hold on to them past the first 10 days or so. So that's why you see Soroka, Cobb, Cabrera, Rogers all fall like they did. Um, and with Cobb, I mean, again, splitter is the thing that really matters with him. Um, curveball gets crushed early and counts. Some guys are aggressive on it and the sinker is just hoping to get called strikes and the Dodger, uh, the the Giants defense. I'm overall just saying, like, yeah, it's not that good, and that's uh, it's still going to hurt them. Same with Manaya, same with Wood. You know, um, with Michael Soroka, as he's wanted to go by Michael now. Uh, so I should probably change on the page too. Um, I realized that he never had a high strikeout rate. It was a 20.5 percent yeah. when he was really good. Yeah, and I think I overestimated that. I remember being really excited about him, thinking that he should be more than that. I mean, he was really young and he looked like a veteran of a like, command early on that he should be able to manipulate the pitches and learn how to get more whiffs and just really develop as we go. But considering he's missed so much time right now, I think we're kind of a step back at this point. So when it comes to all the questions we have about Michael Soroka, is he going to be there right away? I uh, might need a little extra time. Maybe not. Is he going to have the same command that he used to have? Is he going to get enough strikeouts? It just seemed all of a sudden so Toby-ish with also some question marks. Mm. So I so I pushed him down. I might regret that because he could be like a 15-win guy or something um, for Atlanta. But that's that's why I pushed down Michael Soroka. Um, Edward Cabrera and Trevor Rogers, both bad, bad schedules. Um, the whoever oh, yeah. goes first gets the Mets. Whoever goes second gets the Twins. The Twins have Buxton healthy. That's in Korea now. Like that's not that's not a great offense to face. So considering that they both had their question marks anyway, they are inherently like a wait and see. As in, hey, are you good to go? Because Cabrera, that fastball was like a fifty percent zone rate last year. I uh, those questions, like, ah, eh, all right, I'll probably go after someone else. I want to start at the beginning of the year and then see where it goes from there. Okay. Looking ahead, Nick, I'm, I'm actually very excited for our next two podcasts we're doing. Next week is all dedicated to 100 through 200, 200. and then we have another one for 200 through 300. I don't know how we're going to do a full hour 200, 300. Like, did you see the blurb I did by the end? It was Shelby Miller and Jordan Yamamoto being like, hey, here's a guy that we used to know is on the Dodgers. Like, Nick, please stop. And then your Yamamoto shows up. And I don't doubt it myself. I don't doubt us. And I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you a little preview of how I want to operate for those. I'm yeah, going to say go it'll be what is what's one jump that that pitcher needs to make to crack the top 200 and what's one jump that pitcher needs to make to crack the top 100 for all 100 of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go through each. There are I mean, but listen, you know, it, it, to your credit, there's dudes in the top 200 to 300 that have shown plus plus. It is stuff. really funny. It's there is like, hey, like I, I can see why every single player can be fantasy Dude, relevant. Th- I mean, Jake Odorizzi. There's a reason why they're a major leaguer. Jake Odorizzi. They've Brent before. Brent Honeywell is there. Austin Voth yeah. uh, had some upside last yeah. year. Um, Chance Silseth. There were some fun Chance Silseth starts. Uh, Eliezer Hernandez there, and then yeah, of course, then there's some 
you know, <laughs> there's stuff. <laughs> there's, there's some I mean, stuff. I, I think I labeled the tears correctly. <laughs> but here's the fun, though. Nick, it's like I said many moons ago. One of those guys between 200 and 300 no. will probably be a top 50 starter. next. Year. Likely someone that I, is not even on it because it's some prospect I didn't do. I actually went deeper on the prospect lists than I normally do. Um, I honestly, if you want to like my ultra, ultra sleeper right now. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to have to listen to the next podcast. Oh, love it. Love it. Yeah. I mean, 100 through 200. There's chock-a-block. Sadly, we're going to have to get rid of 113 and a half in AJ Puck uh, as he's now definitely going to. Oh, be yeah. I added that him. It's so funny. I yeah. added him in. And then like two days later, he's now really rude. Yeah, he's now 100%. <laughs> I'm really so happy rude. I didn't change anything. I just added as a half like it's uh, a platform in Harry Potter land. <laughs> um, all right. That is going to do it, though, for episode number 376 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Okay.